Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. I'm your host, Haldan Khalif, and welcome back to today's episode of Muslim Like Me. Today is going to be a little bit of a winding down, slowing down, grabbing a coffee or a tea or whatever beverage is your preference, I guess. That was me sipping my coffee because most people know that I am a caffeine addict. It's something that I'm working on, inshallah, but obviously it's what keeps me going for now, right? Um, Today's episode is going to be one of those 3 a.m. sitting, contemplating thoughts that I think a lot of us have, but not many of us are brave enough or, you know, courageous enough to face. And I wanted to bring this to the forefront of a lot of our minds because I think we're constantly thinking about it when there's nothing else to think about or rather nothing else to distract yourself with while also understanding that we're human and sometimes not wanting to deal with these things is innately a part of who we are. Said as a somewhat of a context setter I guess you can say for today's episode I want us to talk about everything body image. I know it's something that has been exhausted in the media and something that has been discussed widely from blogs to, you know, even daily articles and even within our own families at our dinner tables. What is body image and why does it matter so much to us? What we think of our bodies, what others think of our bodies, why do we hate our bodies sometimes? And I did a little bit of research and I want to share some of the things that I have personally discovered with you guys. Um, But before I do that, I just want to discuss my own experience with body image and how that has mentally affected me up until this point. Again, like I said, today's episode is going to be a pretty vulnerable one. So if you guys are not ready to listen to that kind of content, um, that makes this awkward. (laughs) But um, I think for me at least, and I really did start Muslim Like Me because I felt like this is a platform that I can use to amplify the voices of not just myself, but other Muslims like me, black Muslims, women who are Muslims, Muslims who are struggling with, you know, uh, body image issues, body dysmorphia, um, Muslims who have eating disorders and have to hide them. And of course, I don't fit into all of these categories. But at the same time, these are people who visibly are Muslim. And if not visibly, heck, are still Muslim regardless. And they struggle with these things in silence. And a lot of the times, we have a way of kind of muting out people who don't fit into the cookie cutter version of what we expect of a Muslim. And the cookie cutter, the cookie like shaped version in itself is like really interesting to like um, dissect because what is a perfect Muslim? Besides our Prophet, the rest of us are all just, you know, pretty much just trying to make it unless you're a prophet. You're all just, we're all like all of us collectively are just trying to make it. Some people sin publicly, others sin in private. Some people struggle publicly, others struggle in private. So, I think the whole keeping up with the image um, idea that has swarmed the minds of many young Muslims and even older Muslims is part of the reason why a lot of people hate their bodies. Now, from my personal experience, again, a lot of you already know as your host, I am a 22-year-old Somali-American, lived in Kenya for most of my life, um, 
spent the first decade of my life living in the States in my hometown, second decade of my life living here, and now I am, you know, I guess in Hannah Montana's world, uh, words, like in living the best of both worlds, is that what it was? I, I think that was what it is. Um, but like, I think I, I have a very multicultural perspective on a lot of things simply because of how I did grow up and how I happen to understand the different cultural contexts that also affect modern complex issues so again taking you back to my childhood I was a pretty skinny child I would say body image wise and I didn't really have an issue with that until you know you go to primary school or if you you know don't didn't do the British version of education that's middle school is primary school middle school I think it is middle school right um and girls would make fun of me and be like she's probably anorexic and she's probably bulimic and I didn't know what these terms meant again I was about maybe 11 12 years old I did not know what any of these words meant so I'd have to go and google them or ask around and people who I'd ask would obviously visibly be horrified because that's not something that you'd expect a child to ask you hey what does anorexia mean and those words were something that I carried with me for a while. And outside of body image, another thing that makes a lot of young black girls hate their bodies is our skin color. And not because there's anything wrong with our skin color or that there's anything, you know, missing from being a black girl, but because of how society, again, swarms our minds, how social media, well, actually, even prior to social media, honestly, colorism has always been very rampant, at least in my community and among my, you know, group of people who I grew up around. Um, so you understand that there are these multiple images being thrown at girls at a very very impressionable young age this is what you should look like this is what you should eat like this is what you should do to achieve that look a lot of young girls would have bleaching and whitening products pressed into their hands at an extremely young age everything has to be a little tweak like there has to be something that's missing that you can't be perfect just the way you are and where does that idea come from Again, in the age of social media, we can quote many things. We can look at how Instagram photos and filters and the constant need to keep up with an online image as well as maintaining, you know, interpersonal relationships via these online platforms has put a lot of pressure on people. We can also look at it from a lens of prior to social media, right? People who, you know, surprise, surprise, <laughs> existed before the internet blew up. And even then, there was always this sense of, you know, feeling like you're inadequate and feeling like your body isn't deserving of the love and the energy that it deserves. And we're not even going to get into the early 2000s diet culture because that in itself, ciao. I, I literally just took a big gulp of my coffee because I don't think we have enough time for me to like sit here and dissect how toxic and how mentally you know, to toxic, like, there's no other, like, word that can, like, efficiently package the early 2000s diet culture and how they made women feel and men feel about their bodies. If you're a man, like, you had to be, you know, six-pack, you know, ripped, tall. If you're a woman, you had to be, like, a size zero or, like, a negative three. If there, if there could be negative sizes, the early 2000s would have, like, seriously made negative sizes. So it's, like, there are all these impossible standards of beauty to keep up with. Standards put there by people who've done nothing but cause our ancestors pain, may I add. And 
we all just, you know, live in it and are basically consumers who are profited off of by these billion dollar companies, multi-billion dollar companies, these diet schemes, these, you know, clothing companies, these, you know, just all of these things that are created based off of our insecurity. Businesses are built off of the fact that we do not like our bodies. And I'm going to say that again just so that it can sink in. Entire businesses are based off of the fact that we do not like our bodies. Isn't that just insane? There are people out there profiting off the fact that you look in the mirror and say, hmm, something can be done, you know? And of course, I'm not going to sit here and act all holy like I, 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 I've never felt that way or that. I've always thought Allah's creation like I am, I am perfect. I'm not perfect. We're imperfect. Obviously, we're people. But Allah has created us with precision. That little crook in your nose, it's there for a reason, you know? That, that the ethnic-shaped eyes that you have... They carry history, they carry meaning, they carry courage, they carry, they carry an entire generational timeline of people and stories and places. And I think a lot of the times we undervalue ourselves because we see ourselves through our harshest critic's lens. We are our harshest critic. And when I think about why we hate our bodies or why we don't treat our bodies with the same respect that we would treat other people's bodies, right? Because if that's another concept too, we're like, we fully will look at ourselves and be like, I I look ew, like I look horrible. And I don't know when fat became an insult because like fat is a descriptive term, but apparently it's like insulting. Um, but like you'll look at yourself and be like, I look fat or like I look pudgy. And like you'd never say that to your friend, right? You'd never say that to your sister or to your, well, if you're a, a decent person, that is. You'd never say these things to people you care about, to people you love, to people you admire and respect, or just another human, period. But you say these things to yourself and you treat yourself in a manner of which you would not treat those you love. And the negative self-talk that we constantly have, the downing ourselves, the constant self-degradation, the constant telling ourselves that, you know, it is what it is and like my body needs modification is what's built on surgeries and all of these crazy things that we see happening and of course people will live their lives and people will do what they want to do but a lot of this self-hate that we carry around for our bodies that do so much for us that carry us through the entire day is really wild and I think I sit down and I think about it Speaking again from my own personal experiences because I have enough of those <laughs> to literally be doing entire part episodes on like a part one part two part three part four I went from a place where like I mentioned earlier in this episode I was super skinny and people would make fun of me for that to then gaining a lot of weight in earlier high school years and then being made fun of for being fat and then growing into a place where I understand and that took many many years of self-reflection and many many years of me you know talking myself up to positively speaking of myself to understand that my body is not out there for people to judge my body is not an item that's up for discussion and it really does take a long time for me to understand that and for us to understand that because, again, we grow up in the society that has normalized the commodification of our bodies, 
right? The treating of our bodies as sex objects and as objects to sell and as objects to gain a profit off of, essentially. And yeah, for me, it became more of also building a healthier relationship with the respect I have for my body, which is why I go to the gym and I lift weights. Um, I am an, I actually fell in love with going to the gym. I think maybe it's been it's been like a year and a half now. Yeah, it's been a good year and a half now since I've I've started strength training. Prior to this past year and a half of going to the gym, I hated the gym because everything the gym signified was getting a smaller body, looking different, looking the way that I meant quote meant to look, looking like, you know, a skinnier version of myself. And it was always about losing the key kilos losing the kilos getting some inches off my arms or my back or my leg or whatever it was that I felt like was imperfect and slowly I began to realize and I don't know when the epiphany hit me specifically but I enjoy exercising I love the serotonin rush I like the endorphins I like being able to dedicate time in my day because I'm a really busy person I'm the firstborn daughter in a Somali home I you know at the time also was also heavily running sprinkles of jewels which is my jewelry business I am a master student so with all of these things that I was juggling in my life the gym was my outlet and it was my time for me to focus on myself to honor my body for everything that it does for me and I really really enjoy it and I I can I can wholeheartedly say that looking at my body as something to celebrate and something to thank for all that it does for me instead of looking at it as something to punish for not looking the way society wants it to look is quite the turnaround quite the turnaround because you don't expect it of yourself right you see all of these instagram models who are heavily edited bbl surgeries you see all of these people who look like they're unblemished because I had a really, really horrible phase of cystic acne maybe about two years ago and I still have a fear of acne even though my skin is cleared out and I have only a couple of dark spots left. But it's that mental indoctrination that you have to look a certain way and be a certain way in order to be considered valuable within a society. And I think it's really sick. And I think the idea of it in itself comes from a place of people wanting others to feel like they constantly have to chase a version of themselves that will never exist you will never be an airbrushed instagram photo right you are never going to be a photoshopped ad you are never going to be a negative five it's a very weird you know kind of standard that they said that they think we're going to achieve and constantly chase which some people sadly enough really are chasing but you're never going to amount to all of these crazy things that these people want you to be because you simply aren't. You're much more than that. You're a human being who's kind and intelligent and, you know, ambitious and has friends and family and people they love and people who love them and so much joy and so much things to look forward to. You are more than someone who looks at themselves in the mirror and always constantly has to find something to poke at and i think that's the important part and that's the thing that i want to hone in on during this episode
segue from why we hate our bodies. Well, not really segueing because, again, we will be discussing that as well. But now moving into, again, the context, because I feel like I swayed away from it a little bit, the context of colorism and not liking your skin color or feeling like your skin color makes you less than, in a sense, right? Because that's really how it was supposed to be when we were children. My own traumatic experiences... Honestly, I feel like my brain has pushed a lot of them to the back of my mind simply to protect me because there are more things that are really horrifying that I'll once in a while remember happened. And it's so surreal where like sometimes, you know how you remember something that happened to you, but it's so weird and outlandish and just like (laughs) if it happened to you today, you would spaz out, but like it happened to you. And like now when you think about it, you start questioning, is this real? Did this actually happen to me or am I imagining that this happened to me? It's like those kind of things. And for me, at least, I have reached a place of personal growth. Alhamdulillah. I can't say that I'm at where I want to be because I think growth is not linear and progress isn't linear and that we sometimes will face drawbacks. But I've really reached a place of personal growth where I like my skin and I like the skin that I'm in and the body that I'm in. And like is a very relative term because I'm a human being and there will be days where I wake up and I'll look in the mirror and, you know, feel a certain way and be like, I could look a certain way, which again is the influence of social media and the influence of growing up around these people and growing up around these businesses that are profiting off of me feeling horrible and shitty, right? Um, But most days I can probably say that I look at myself and I feel happy, and I feel content, and I love the way that I look, and I love my skin color, particularly my skin color, I love my skin color, and I say that like six times (laughs) over and over again, because a lot of aunties, and a lot of people actively, like actively campaigned, and worked against girls who look like me, to like the way we look, and it's really messed up, because before the bleaching products, they looked just like us, And there's nothing wrong with looking just like us because we're absolutely beautiful. But the idea that you must be like there's some kind of a paper bag, you know, test to see if you're light skin enough to get a husband or light skin enough to be deemed attractive is very heinous in my personal opinion. And the fact that our culture doesn't do us any favors in using light light names that are basically, you know, translate to light skin to, to say pretty, like for example, in Somali, we have this word, uh, ade, ade literally means um, light skin, yeah, ade literally means light skin, and they'll say ade as like a, as like a compliment, um, and it, it kind of sets apart, and usually always is used, obviously, towards the lighter skin children, or the lighter skin daughters, or whatever it is, and it It doesn't say it out loud most times, but it does paint the image to these children that, hey, because you are of a darker skin tone, you just don't fit the bill for us. And I think growing up with that kind of a mindset or growing up in a time where you feel like that is your reality, it's very hard. And I went to a primary school with a majority of Somali people, and it was a majority of Somali people who made fun of my skin color. Um, they were like slightly lighter than me. Some were not even that much lighter than me, but like they felt like they had to pick on me or else it was like, you know, they'll get picked on too. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to really explain it. It's very weird. They'd call me names like charcoal and blackie and, um, 
what's the other one they used to use like they they turn off the lights and be like where is she like my brother used to do that too and we were literally the same skin tone um and they'll turn off the lights and be like oh i can't find hold on where is she and they'd laugh about it and it'd be like kiki kaka haha but like the whole then I was then, the child I was, it was very deeply damaging. It was very deeply damaging. I remember there was a time when my uncle had given me like a, so I'm the darkest among all my siblings, I'm pretty sure. Besides my brother, my older brother, the rest of them, I'm much darker than them. And um, as we got older, a lot of them got darker too. But like when we were children, I was definitely the darkest. And there was a time when my uncle gave me this like lotion and was like oh the reason why you're darker than the rest of them and it's really messed up that he said this to me now that I, I'm like pers- like looking back from my like perspective as an adult um he was like the reason why you're more dark skinned than the rest of them is because your dad didn't buy you um was saying the reason why I'm more dark skinned than my siblings is because my dad didn't buy me the light skin cream that my siblings got as babies and that um I shouldn't worry because it's not too late and that he's gonna go and get me the light skin cream and I should put it on everywhere and then I'll be light skinned like my siblings were right and like I'm I'm dead ass not kidding you guys my uncle said this to me and I recently remember maybe like a couple months ago I mentioned to my mom because it's my uncle as in my mom's brother I was like your brother said some messed up shit to me as a child and like I think she remembers that it happened but anyway so he gives me this cream which is basically just a normal lotion and I was about maybe seven years old and I literally remember vigorously guys vigorously applying this lotion all over my body in hopes to be light-skinned a moment of silence for the innocence of the child I was and the fact that they actively right actively as adults adults consciously would say things like that to me and he would he was laughing so hard as I was applying the cream like back then obviously it wasn't clicking but like now it's clicking and my dad came home from work that day and I I was like very upset at him and I was like you bought them the cream to get light skin and you didn't buy it for me and my dad was like what what the hell are you talking about right (laughs) he's tired from work and has no idea what I'm talking about and I like explained what I had to say and I think it kind of upset him too at the time we haven't talked about it obviously but like it's very messed up that an adult said that to me and an an adult made me feel that way as a child and actively opened my eyes a seven-year-old to the fact that hey you're darker meaning bad right like light lighter is good darker is bad like conceptually opening my eyes to that and you're a grown-ass adult I don't know it's very weird I I look back now at the little girl I was who at some point in time was so insecure like so insecure I used to dream about being lighter like dream about being light-skinned like I'd wake up one day with like light skin and like light hair and light eyes and the woman I am now just wants to hold that little girl. And I think a lot of us have that where like our inner child really just needs so much like security from the older version of ourself that knows better now and feels better and is more validated. And I really wish that the younger version of myself had that. And I always tell myself, of course, I don't know if I'll get the parenting thing right when I end up becoming a parent, but I really do hope that my daughters never hate themselves and hate their bodies. And I I really, really, really pray that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses me with children, that I will be capable enough to teach my children that their bodies are just that, bodies meant to carry them, meant to get them through the day, meant to help them achieve that their body is in essence a vessel and that their soul is what's eternal.
And I think it took up until like maybe like two years ago for me to like really have that sink in for me that my body really and truly is just a vessel that at some point in time, whether it's 10 minutes from now or 10 years from now, is going to be six feet under. And all that will be left for me to look at is my soul. And all the things that I've done, whether it's good or bad, whether I've been kind or a horrible human being, my soul will be what I look at in the reflection. And I often think, like, it sounds, of course, it sounds corny. Like, the, you know, what matters is what's on the inside. Like, I get that it sounds corny. And I get that it won't take away your insecurities. But I think everyone has a root cause of their insecurities. And I think the reason why a lot of us hate our bodies or a lot of us had suffered from colorism was because of other people who also hated their bodies and also suffered from colorism. And when you are, you know, familiar with those kind of, you know, identifying factors, because we all know the famous quote of like, hurt people hurt people, even though that's not an excuse. I personally think that's a really shady way to get away with being a very shitty person really horrible way and like a very sketch way to get away with being a very sketch person but it does make sense you know like hurt people really do hurt people like if you were hurt and treated a certain way growing up um and this is now coming from not hold on the the regular schmegular gal but hold on the clinical psychologist um from my perspective as a professional, I really do think that a lot of people have a lot of undealt with trauma, a lot of ACEs, adverse childhood experience is what ACE stands for, by the way. A lot of people who go, f- go through these adverse childhood experiences and never end up really and truly dealing with the trauma, just carry it with them. And their way of coping is now, you know, projecting their trauma onto other people who are in similar situations to them. So they'll look at you and see the child that they were vulnerable, you know, in need of validation and instead of trying to give you the validation you need and trying to treat you the way that they needed to be treated they'll just treat you the the way that they were treated because that's the only way they know how to cope and a lot of the times people will say things like I didn't mean it or like you know you need to grow tough skin and get over it and I think that in itself is just a shame because like why would you want someone to not be vulnerable and open up about what they feel or how they were treated you know and It comes from a place of understanding that vulnerability is not weakness and weakness is not vulnerability. These two things do not have to correlate. They do not have to be mutually inclusive or exclusive or whatever. And a lot of the times we don't realize that the reason why a lot of people are very horrible people is not because they, you know, didn't have a choice or like were going through something extremely traumatic as well. But some people are just horrible people because they never had someone who told them otherwise. They've never been told, wow, what you're doing sucks and I wish you were a better person. A lot of people don't have someone to like level with them and just be honest about the kind of characters that they bring towards other people and how they impact others in their own self-image. And I just wish a lot of people had more honesty in their circle. Somali aunties really could do with a lot of honesty in their circles, honestly. <laughs> a lot of them could could deal with a couple truth givers. I know the pill is very bitter, but it needs to be swallowed by a lot of people because there's just a constant cycle of hate and pain and insecurity that keeps being recycled from generation to generation. And a couple of my friends and I were talking about this the other day, and it's so interesting because I'm 22, which is kind of young, but also not that young, really. And my friends and I were saying, we're the next generation of habariers and edus. 
How crazy is that? Like we used to look at the Edos and Habariers and be like, Edo, Habarier. The other day, a child called me Edo. I didn't even know how to respond. Like I just blankly, <laughs> I blankly stared at someone's child and was like, Yalhadlusa, who are you speaking to? It must not be me, it must be behind me. But like we are the next generations of aunties. We are the next generations of Hoyas and Habariers and Edos. And I really, truly hope that we are better than the last generation. And I'm not, I'm not trying to shit on Edis and Habariers. Again, I'm, that's not what this is about. But if we're being real, a lot of them caused a lot of psychological and emotional damage that really can't be untangled. A lot of them were really shady and very shysty in the way that they approached young girls and said mean things about their bodies, about their skin, about things that a young girl is very impressionable towards. And... This, again, comes from a place of knowing my community and knowing the way aunties in my community move. Um, and like I said, just right now, it's very shysty. It's, it's, it's almost criminal the way that they just like slip insults in and out of conversations. Um, they could literally just be like, hi, how are you? You look like you've gained some weight. Mm, it's all that mcdonald's you've been eating hmm um okay all right um yeah you look a little dark too i think you should you should just stay indoors or you know what you know what i'll just do you one better um diana you know the, the 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 whitening cream i have a couple of extra boxes that i brought from africa with me would you like some and like it's as easy as that literally it's as easy as that to ruin someone's day someone could be thinking they're the shit someone could leave their house did their little baby hairs, wearing their cute little dress or abaya. Someone could just leave their home thinking they look great, right? And they feel great. You have those days where you like feel like you're on top of the world, as everyone should. And then those kind of comments literally throw you into a spiral because it begins making you question everything you believe of yourself. Suddenly, your baby hairs are looking crusty to you. Suddenly, you're a little pudgy. Suddenly, you wish you were wearing a looser dress. It's it's really toxic. It comes from your mind. It all comes from a place of being in a mental space where you're able to appreciate yourself and able to appreciate your body. And like I said earlier, I'm not trying to make this look like an easy hoopla. Like, oh, well, everyone can do it. Anyone can do it. Like, you guys are being, you know, um, extra. It, it really is not easy to do. It is not easy to do. I'm not going to sit up here and, well, it's literally one in the morning but like i'm not gonna sit and like act like you know i have it all figured out i do not have anything figured out <laughs> i'm 22 years old i have nothing figured out i'm just trying to get through the day like every everyone else i'm just trying to live my life like everyone else i'm just trying to figure out how to exist in the spaces that i exist in and not hate my body and not feel like my body is you know, a weight to drag, you know, I really and truly struggle with the idea that we're supposed to live our entire lives hoping and waiting to be a certain weight, like, I saw recently on TikTok, I don't know how I ended up on body positive TikTok, but I love it, I stan it, um, I saw, like, this girl who was, like, everyone who wants to wear an outfit for when they lose weight, stop, wear the outfit now, buy the outfit in your size, and I was, like, yes, yes i support this want to wear that cute outfit buy it in your size wear it now you'll look great you'll look amazing you will look gorgeous and ethereal wanna i don't know climb a mountain or like do a hike and you think that you're not skinny enough do a couple of resistance trainings go for it 
at the end of the day, I really don't think that you thinking that your body can't do something means your body can't do it. That's complete and and utter BS. Like literally, there's there's nothing more false than the idea that our bodies can't do these things simply because a magazine told you that you can or like a doctor told you that. Well, of course, medical opinion does matter, but a lot of medical opinions are also very messed up in the sense that BMI scales and things like that really do mess with the body image of a lot of young people and can cause a lot of body dysmorphia that we're not going to get into right now. But trust your body. Treat your body with the respect and the dignity that it deserves. And I know it's easier said than done. I really, really do. I really know that it's really hard to look in the mirror and not be critical, not to not look at your stretch marks and be like, oh my God. And you know what it is also about stretch marks? It's like really interesting. When I was younger, of course, I used to look at stretch marks. Like when I got my first stretch mark, I remember I was horrified, horrified. And I looked at it and I think I showed my sister and she was like, ew. And I was like, yeah, I know, right? Ew. And after a while, I began to realize stretch marks are basically just showing progress in your body, that you're either growing or that you're shrinking or whatever it is. Stretch marks are showing that your body is resilient as shit like your body and your skin which is quite literally you know the most tough organ in your entire body because it, it's it's everywhere is stretching and unstretching itself constantly to fit your needs and i was looking at the bird's papaya instagram the other day and that's her handle by the way her name is sarah but her instagram handle is the bird's papaya and i really love her page i adore her actually and she was saying on um, under a post where she was posting about like jeans and stuff like that and like pants that she didn't fit in. She was like, you are not meant to fit into clothing. Clothing is built for you to fit into. Like clothing is meant to serve you. You do not serve clothing. And I'd never really thought about it like that. Like, of course, you understand like, duh, you're supposed to get clothes that are in your size. Common sense. But a lot of us have fallen, you know, prey to the idea of getting something two sizes smaller and being like, I'll lose the weight. These are these are my motivation pants. You know, these are my when I get skinny pants. It's such a messed up, toxic mindset that we're like set up to believe and set up to think is very normal when it really is not. And a lot of the times, again, as Muslim people, we forget that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created us with precision. I mean, if you want to be on a weight loss journey for your health or for whatever reason, good for you. If you don't want to, good for you. As long as you are doing what you need to do to honor your body, to take care of your body, to treat your body like the dignified, you know, part of you that it is, that's what's most important. Clothing is not meant to serve you. I mean, you are not meant to serve clothing. Clothing is meant to serve you. (laughs) Not me switching it around. But it's... It's it's almost like if we said these things about anything else, we'd look so ridiculous. So why do we say it about our bodies? Why do we? There's so much more that I could be saying about this, so much more that I could be sharing about this. But I think the most significant thing that I can share with you guys that I personally feel would have the most impact because, again, words can only mean so much when we've spent decades of our lives being brainwashed and indoctrinized to believe that we are not enough, that our skin is not enough, that our bodies are not enough. Um, So the words I want to leave you with are that you and the inner child that you are still holding the hand of will get somewhere one day where you will both feel peace where you will both feel cared for, where you both will feel validated. 
It may not be tomorrow. It may not be in a year. It may not even be in this life. But I really hope and pray that whatever progress you and that child make, the child whose hand you're still holding, the one who was invalidated and told by people who were also hurt that your body is not enough or that your skin is not enough, I pray that you find peace. I pray that you find validation. And I pray that you find, you know, a sense of settling. And I want to end this episode out with a poem that I wrote a while back. And the poem is titled On Love and the Child Within Us All. And I wrote this actually like in 2020, I think, when I was thinking about our inner child and the fact that throughout the different stages of our lives, there's a version of us that existed like existed and exists right so it exists now within us but at the time when it existed did not get the validation that it needed did not get the support that it needed and I think for some people it's very different in the sense that they did get that support um but they look back and still feel you know ick but for others generally did not get the support that they deserved and this poem is for you I am 21 years old yet I still hold the hand of seven-year-old me Tell her she's beautiful. I still bandage the wounds of nine-year-old me. Kiss them gently and let her know she'll be okay. Flatten her frizzy curls and tell her she'll grow to love them someday. I still wipe ten-year-old me's tears. Hold her face up gently with a thumb underneath her chin and staring boldly into her eyes, telling her that she's the brightest little star. I still check in on 14-year-old me, reminding her that her melanin makes her the gorgeous woman she is now. I sing songs by my ancestors to 16-year-old me, letting her know she is occupying spaces they could have only dreamed to have entered. I am 21 years old, still reassuring that child in me, the child I was and still am, that I am everything and all the love that she ever needs. That's the poem. And I wrote it when I was 21, of course, but I'm 22 now, and I'm telling 21-year-old me and 20-year-old me that the worst has always been us facing adversity and always having the fear of what if, or am I going to do it? The worst has always been us doubting our own ability and us feeling like our body is not enough or our skin is not enough and overcoming it and finally looking in the mirror and being able to genuinely smile. I mean, smile with all of my teeth in a way that I've never been able to because of insecurities of having braces for four years and tell myself that I really and truly do not hate this body and do not hate the skin. The world might, but I sure shit don't. And I hope that's something that you guys can carry with you. I hope that self-love not just the pretty and aesthetic parts of it i mean self-love in the nitty-gritty hard parts where you have to confront your own bias and confront your own fears and doubts finds you in your most beautiful and vulnerable of states and creates a version of you that will look back and be proud of the progress that you make and the growth that you make Regardless of whether or not it's linear, regardless of whether or not the road has bumps, you are enough, you have always been enough, and you do not need anyone's validation but your own, and most importantly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's.
So thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I'm your host, Hodan. This was Muslim Like Me. And hopefully you guys will tune in for my next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.